The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 361, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Thursday, August 18th. Sometimes I don't even know what day it is. August 18th, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Our MMA and wrestling show airs every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. And on Thursdays, we shift focus and jump into gaming and entertainment. There are a couple of different ways that you can participate via the live show. You can go to mtrlive.com and you get access right there to our live video feed as well as a high-quality 96K stereo feed via Mixler. And, of course, you can participate in the live show chat. We also simulcast our video streams on Twitch, StreamUp, Vaughn Live, Restream, and a host of other providers, including YouTube. So, if you are watching the show via any of those mediums, as always, please let us know if you notice any issues or hiccups. We always want to know so that we can continue to improve the show for you guys but we're pretty much almost at a at a at a situa- at a place where the show is optimized for audio and video we're still trying to fix uh, the audio delay that occasionally makes it look like an episode is a an old school Shaw Brothers karate flick uh, still adjusting to the audio delay stuff but we are working on it in any case uh, you can also listen to video, like I said, via Mixler or on mtrlive.com or via our call-in number. But if you're on a mobile device, you can download the Mixler app, punch in My Take Radio, and you'll be on your way to listen to the show via your mobile device. You can find the Mixler app both on iOS and Android devices. And if you're a fan of Ben & Taylor's Black is the New Black, you can also add that show to your Mixler list, and you can listen to their show live as well. Archived episodes of this show and any others are always available on RageWorks.net with audio archives available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Uh, Shows that are live are usually posted within 24 to 48 hours of airing. Uh, Video archives are available on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official 
RageWorks. All right, we got a lot to get into for tonight's show. We're going to announce the winner of our Deadpool prize pack uh, in partnership with our friends at Rip the Apparel. Really, really pumped for the turnout, the amount of people that participated, the amount of people that uh, hit us up on various social media platforms. On Instagram alone, we were almost at 900 likes. Uh, we got almost 100 entries, uh, give or take, uh, between a couple of different mediums. Uh, some people were disqualified because people sometimes don't listen. So we had a lot of uh, international entries, which had to be cut out. But nonetheless, the contest ended last night. We chose the winner right before we went on air. And the winner of the Deadpool contest is Eric Ratcliffe. Again, Eric, if you're listening to tonight's show, we're going to be reaching out to you via email to get your address to mail you your prize pack. Uh, with this contest out of the way, we got a couple of other contests we're going to put together, and um, we're looking forward to giving you guys more awesome stuff. We're going to try and do uh, some bigger giveaways as we get later on into the fall, and we're also going to work on some other things. Um, but congratulations, Eric. We'll be in touch, and we will be forwarding you your prize. I want to thank everyone who participated, and as always, just because you didn't win this one doesn't mean you cannot win the next one. With that out of the way, I do want to get into a couple of housekeeping matters relating to the show, broadcast schedules, etc., etc. Uh, first and foremost, we made some slight tweaks to our YouTube channel. So now when you go there, not only do you see our videos, but you also see some of our staff members' channels as well, including Slick's YouTube channel and Jay Santee's TRSS channel for you to keep up with all the latest videos from TRSS as well as all the videos that Slick does including some live streams on YouTube right there in the palm of your hand, right in our interface on the YouTube platform. In addition to that, uh, we've decided that after Labor Day weekend, we're, you know, we're going to probably move full-time to an 11.30 p.m. start time for both shows. And um, I think that 11.30 is just easier for, for all for all parties involved, especially for me, uh, because of my work schedule and ensuring that all the show prep is there, plus giving myself that extra half hour to make sure that we can address any issues tech wise or you know audio wise before we go on air is is crucial. So uh, starting after Labor Day weekend, we will be doing uh, MTR live Wednesdays and Thursdays still, but at eleven thirty p.m. Eastern time as well as. Uh, 8.30 p.m. Pacific time for both shows. Like I said, the MMA and wrestling show and the gaming and entertainment show. But uh, in any instances where we have guests, we may obviously start at 11 given people's schedules, but that will be on a case-by-case -case basis. Nonetheless, we are going to make the move to an 11.30 start time after Labor Day weekend. Now, while we are on the subject of Labor Day, uh, the final ep the final week of August, we will not be doing live episodes of MTR. Next week's two episodes are going to be uh, the last episodes for August, and then we're going to take a break the following week and be back right after Labor Day. A uh, couple of reasons why we're doing this, obviously, uh, just giving myself some time to recharge and also to allow me, you know, myself and the rest of our team to focus on some other stuff. Plus, there is always a constant flow of content, whether it's you know streams from Slick or posts from any of our staff, including myself, and um, obviously all our other shows, uh, 
TRSS, Call Me When It's Over, and of course, Black is the New Black. Uh, we also are going to be launching a new show, which I've talked about over the course of the last couple of episodes. I teased it a little bit, but it is definitely on its way, and that is the variant issue. Uh, that podcast will be hosted by me and Jimbo Slice. We're going to be covering comics, collectibles, you know, kind of that particular niche, which I kind of delve into sometimes on certain shows, but, you know, after talking about it quite a bit, we figured that it would be a it would be nice to, to give you guys some additional content. Plus, I think that, you know, our chemistry in that particular genre is going to make for some very, very interesting audio. That's for sure. Be on the lookout for the 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 variant issue number one very soon. I will say this. You know, we recorded the first episode. It was it was fun. It was insane. And the goal right now is to offer that podcast on a monthly basis, um, maybe switching to biweekly depending on feedback and scheduling. But right now it will be monthly for the time being. Obviously, keep it locked to RageWorks.net for any additional updates relating to the debut of the variant issue. Also, probably by the time we air next week, we will officially be live streaming on Daily Motion as well. So in addition to, obviously, all the platforms I mentioned at the start of the show, we will also be live streaming to Daily Motion. Very excited about that. And hopefully during the Labor Day break, we will complete uh, the migration from My Take Radio to Rageworks on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And we will also make sure to have all the branding fixed for that as well to fully embrace the Rageworks Podcast Network as well as, you know, just have additional assets for you guys that are working with us to put out there and know that you're working with us. Last but not least, in terms of event coverage, we got some cool stuff on deck. We got a couple of events in September we're going to be covering, and we are also going to probably be at the Photo Plus Expo, and, um, you know, that's something we're definitely looking forward to. We will not be at New York Comic Con, uh, obviously, uh, you guys have heard my my rants about that, but it is what it is. But again, any additional events, as always, keep it locked to our social media outlets and RageWorks.net. All right, what do we got on deck for tonight? We got the latest happenings in gaming. We're going to get into uh, the entertainment news of the week. We got a brand new five-minute movie review of Sausage Party, which I had the privilege of seeing last Wednesday night. And... Um, Big shout out to Danny from Royal Flush Magazine for the opportunity. We also got to, you know, interview the directors of the film. You can check out uh, the, the content for that on both RageWorks.net and Royal Flush Magazine as well. Uh, we're going to get into that. Obviously, we'll take your calls 347-324-3541-347-324-3541. You can participate in the chat by heading to mtrlive.com. With that, let's jump into the gaming news of the week. All right, so there's a couple of things I want to get into. Um, We got some new updates on WWE 2K17. If you've been watching it on uh, our coverage of of the game on RageWorks.net, you know that we have been getting a ton of roster updates and a ton of news relating to the game. 2K is definitely going out of their way to make 
WWE 2K17, a must-have for wrestling fans. Uh, a couple of things that I want to get into, obviously, a huge roster update was unveiled earlier this week, which we shared with you guys. 36 brand-new superstars were unveiled in addition to the previous 22 and the original 12. Uh, the roster continues to grow, and enhancements and improvements continue to be the name of the game. Uh, one of the things that I want to get into, which was unveiled and discussed, was the ability now to fight backstage, which was something many of us remem remember from the old wrestling games. That is going to be a part of the game now. There's also actually going to be, uh, I don't want to call it battle damage, but face paint is going to rub off over the course of a match. So if you're wrestling you know, someone like Sting, you're going to see that face paint wear away as the match progresses, which I think is very cool. I think that adds a nice little bit of realism to it. Uh, they also announced that they're going to be uh, making continued improvements to the creation suite. Um, they added new creation features, uh, including more parts, more adjustment options, and more customization for things like body hair. There's also going to be create a video, which is going to let you uh, create videos for entrances, on the Titan Tron, which is awesome for your created superstars. There's going to be improvements to the create a show feature and also a create a victory feature, which is going to allow you to have obviously uh, customized victory celebrations as well. So there's, there's definitely a lot of subtle improvements, which, um, which I think is, is really, really good on the, on behalf of 2k. I think that wrestling much like MMA boxing, um, you know, most combat-related games, especially those with based on, you know, real-time real, real -time happenings, are games that are, you know, the little subtle nuances that many of us don't really notice or take for granted are things that are very, very crucial for people to enjoy the experience. People don't, don't give that kind of stuff a lot of merit, but it's little things like that that I personally appreciate. You know, being able to have an Iron Man match and your superstar being able to sweat and the paint being able to wear away, and them looking disheveled as the match progresses, those are, those are great things that add to that realism. Don't get me wrong, I don't mind, uh, you know, arcade-style wrestling games. I love those. Going back to, you know, the old days with um, Saturday Night Slam Masters and, you know, countless other uh, arcade-style wrestling games, that, that, that's, that's definitely fun, but if you're trying to create something that has the most realistic experience possible. I think that those are little subtle tweaks that you really do need to acknowledge. At least I feel that way personally. One of the things I like is also the fact that now you're able to fight backstage. I think that was something that many people wish was in pre was available in previous installments of this series only because like I said, being we got spoiled seeing stuff like that in no mercy and the old SmackDown games, being able to fight backstage being able to, you know, grab stuff backstage and interact and fight in the arena, in the stands, those are those are things that are a big part of, of wrestling matches. I mean, whether you're watching a big a big time product like WWE on on your TV or you're watching a, a local independent show, the action goes beyond what happens in the ring. I mean, I attended a Lucha Libre show and I talked about this on the uh, wrestling edition of MTR where uh, you know, the crowd, people were fighting in the crowd. People were, you know, grabbing stuff from the crowd and hitting their opponents. It was it was wild, man. And I think that's something that that is definitely um, not a big deal if it's not there. But it's something that's 
definitely part of a better experience, in my opinion. Uh, in addition, they're adding improvements to the promos. They're, they're utilizing something called the promo engine, which is going to allow you to really become more involved with the way your superstars deliver promos. I've always said that it would be cool if instead of DLC content, which is fine, you were able to download uh, commentary packs or certain promos that superstars have or take it one step further. It would be cool if you could record a promo with your microphone, you know, with your headset mic or your connect or whatever the case may be and use that as the promo for your created superstar or even for uh, a WWE superstar of your choice. Think of the possibilities. Imagine, um, let's say you create, I don't know, Dusty Rhodes and and he cuts the, you know, the son of a plumber promo, the hard times promo, and, and you're able to do something like that. I think that, you know, that would be really, really cool. I think that we've we've reached a point with, you know, the increasing uh you know, the access to, to storage on flash drives and being able to use that stuff. I think that's definitely a big part of, of the experience. I also feel that, and this was a feature from previous games that I'd like to see reintroduced, uh, being able to uh, upload or use via flash drive, you know, new intro music. Or, you know, one of the things I've always said, much like with Madden, when they do roster updates, if superstars change their gimmicks, change their attire, uh, you know, things like that, you should be, the game should adjust to that. I mean, right now, you're going to have uh, a good example. Let's look at Finn Balor's paint. You know, Finn Balor's face paint and, and his body paint when he is the demon uh, varies from show to show, event to event. You should be able to download an update with different versions of the paint that you're able to choose. Uh, whether it's you know his NXT takeover in England or his debut paint or you know his paint from from NXT in in Japan, there's there's definitely little subtle things like that that would really add to the experience. Like I said, we have so much access to stuff now that being able to add your own music into the game, it, I mean you don't have to share it online, but at minimum being able to play it. In your own game, what if you you know you want to come out to, I don't know, staying alive by the Bee Gees, something you know you should be able to have that capability because again, flash storage, cloud storage, this is stuff that the systems can access and harness to give you guys a complete experience. You know, this is all wishful thinking, but it's little things that I think would be would really add to the overall experience. I will say this, and um, you know, for me. Wrestling games, much like fighting games, have been a big part of my life going all the way back to, you know, pro wrestling on Nintendo to, like I said, Saturday Night Slam Masters, the the WrestleMania arcade game, the old Raw games on Genesis and Super Nintendo, obviously the different SmackDown games, No Mercy, of course, and WCW NWO World Tour, which to this day I feel remain some of the best wrestling games in the business and if you want to take it a step further, you play games like Fire Pro Wrestling. If you have a Dreamcast and you've never played Fire Pro Wrestling, do yourselves a favor and find a copy. I mean, I have a, a version of Fire Pro that I'm trying to get my Dreamcast set up so I can stream it because I downloaded like a pack with 
you know, a bunch of American wrestlers and you can have like hit people with fluorescent lights. And the, the best part is that the game utilized a lot of the strategy that everybody thinks is so revolutionary now in regular games. You know, you had fatigue, you had to wear down your opponent. There was, there was a lot of simulation in a very, very arcade light game. So if, if you ever get the opportunity, definitely check out Fire Pro Wrestling. I, I, on the Dreamcast in particular, I mean, there's been versions on, on the PlayStation, which I've seen here and there, but the Dreamcast version is, you know, it, it definitely still, uh, it's still very fun to play, much like the old uh, WCW NWO World Tour or uh, the old um, WWF games, uh, No Mercy on N64. I mean, one of the coolest things I remember. I believe I did it on the Nintendo 64. You could use the Game Shark, and I I think I may have mentioned this once or twice. And you could mod the game where you can have the asshole chant, and if you kicked out of a pinfall, you'd have Jim Ross saying he kicked out, he kicked out. You know, little things like that. You could do the triple cage from Ready to Rumble. You could create different arenas. And again, this is stuff that people were doing well before it became oh, you know, a really cool feature on a modern wrestling game. So. I mean, part of it makes it sound like I'm being a little elitist, but, you know, those are innovations that they shouldn't be innovations. They should be shit that's that's commonplace. That's that's just how I see it. You're not reinventing the wheel here with that stuff. That's all. Anyway, for those of you that were looking forward to the upcoming Final Fantasy game, I'm afraid I've got some bad news, and that is that the game has been delayed. The game went from being released on September 30th, which many people were excited for, to now being released on November 29th. Obviously, there were a lot of people that were upset when these when this news broke. But again, I always look at it from the standpoint that I'd rather wait a month or two more and get a game that isn't broken or doesn't require some bullshit DLC patch that you need on day one instead of allowing people to work on that before the game was released. Again, that's not a a dig at the, at the company or anything like that. That's just something that me personally, I just would rather deal with. I mean, right now, Slick and I, you know what's funny? Slick, Slick writes in the chat room, Rich is acting like he's getting Final Fantasy. Here's the thing. I am, I have a love-hate relationship with RPGs. I really do. And, and I'm going to be honest, the last RPG, there were three RPG games I was really into. Vagrant Story, Legend of Dragoon, and Final Fantasy VII. Those were the games that really kept me entrenched in, in, in the RPG space. As I got older and I had less time on my hands, I really, I really wasn't playing them like I should. Um, you know, Final Fantasy VII to me was the game that probably consumed the most of, the most of my life uh, when it came out. I was actually working in a video game store at the time. And, um, you know, the thing is... When I was working in the video game store and everybody was talking about it, I picked it up. I remember, you know, I gave my boss the money and I was like, as soon as that game comes in, I need it. I got to have it. And um, I got the game. I went home. I turned it on and I was just sucked in. And I'm talking about, you know, eight, nine hours, ten hours just glued to um, an old TV my mom used to have in the living room. Just just glued into it just because I had a, a smaller TV and I used to take over the TV in the living room and play it. Um, like I said, Vagrant Story was another game, which many people just, they don't, they don't really give the game its props, but I felt that a lot of the character design and even the combat mechanics were, were pretty cool for, for that game, even though 
you know, many people just don't, they don't really give that game a lot of love. And Legend of Dragoon, same thing. I actually got sucked into that game because of the box art, which is crazy. That's that. That's how you know I'm not a a um, hardcore RPG gamer. I, it was like, oh, the box looks cool. The concept looks pretty badass. And then I got sucked in and I played it uh, nonstop, I want to say, for about a month and a half. And I forgot what game came out after that, and that was the end of it. But again, I you know I play my fair share of RPGs. Do I play them now? No. And the only reason is because time. Time is is definitely not on my side when it comes to those type of games. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, on a more on a more casual side of things, uh, a lot of people were very excited when Respawn and EA announced an open multiplayer technical test, aka a beta for Titanfall Two. It's going to be available for two weekends on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One starting Friday. Players can access two new Titans, two game modes, two maps on the first weekend. And then, of course, the complete game will be in stores October 28th for PS4, Xbox One, and Origin for PC. Now, my my you know my experience with Titanfall actually came from the game being bundled with my Xbox One when I purchased it. Uh, it was a cool game. I enjoyed it. I didn't, you know... I wasn't enamored with it. I just played it because I'm like, ah, let me see what the big deal is. And over time, I got better at it. I just felt that not having some sort of a legit campaign mode for me was was definitely not good. Just because I'd jump in, I'd play a little multiplayer. I'd, I'd, I'd do okay. It wouldn't be great, but I'd do all right. And it just it didn't keep my attention for very long. But from what I've seen from the new one, it definitely looks like it's going to be a wild time, especially if you can get a group of people to play the game with you. It it definitely looks a lot better than the previous installment, which was quite enjoyable. The other thing that came out this week, of course, was new video for the upcoming sequel to Injustice. Of course, with Gamescom going on, uh, lots of news is coming out, but uh, the reveal for Injustice 2 was the arrival, of course, of Deadshot, and the return of Harley. Obviously, with the um, popularity, and I say that in quotes, of Suicide Squad, I I really am not shocked to see Deadshot make his uh, debut in Injustice. And obviously, Harley is a fan favorite, so seeing her in the game is is zero shock. Uh, the design for Deadshot was pretty cool. Definitely close to the comic book counterpart. I'm sure there will be alternate versions like they did for the previous Injustice game, which I think was one of the cool features that I liked. I really enjoyed being able to play as, you know, movie Superman and all the different Superman costumes. Same thing with Batman. I, you know, I really thought that they did a good job with Harley in that regard, just giving her all the different costumes as well. Uh, Again, subtle touches. You didn't have to buy the costumes. You had, you could unlock them. Obviously there were some that you ended up getting later on. And if you bought the complete edition or you downloaded it, during a, a free PlayStation uh, PSN giveaway, then obviously you know that all the costumes are there. Uh, for me, I thought when they released General Zod, I thought it was really cool that you could play in, like I said, the movie costume and the and the game costume. Uh, I you know I I appreciate little things like that, and some people just have they have those costumes that they really like. I mean, even in the Batman Arkham games, being able to play in the you know the gray and blue costume or the all black. Uh, movie costume or you know the costume from Frank Miller's Batman those are those are again fun things that people enjoy that allow you to make the game your own but uh, the addition of Deadshot 
and Harley is very cool. Obviously, there's there's a, a pretty solid cast of characters we've seen so far. You know, Blue Beetle, Supergirl, uh, the usual suspects. Obviously, Batman, Superman, The Flash. Um, the thing I, I got to say with with Injustice, and this is something that is, I really feel that with Mortal Kombat and even with Injustice for that matter. I feel that the studio definitely is on to something in terms of the combat mechanics and and keeping people engaged. I just don't like when they throw in those other characters, which I kind of feel are filler, like the addition of Scorpion to Injustice. Like, I I know why they did it, obviously, for a little crossover appeal, but that's a slot you could have dedicated to another DC hero or villain. And considering... Uh, the level of the amount of characters in the DC universe, I just felt that that was a wasted slot. Um, I kind of feel the same way in, in regards to just looking at the universe as a whole. There's certain guys I feel that you have a hero, you have a villain. For for you know you have a hero and its corresponding villain. I felt that in Batman's case, they kind of had a, they kind of had a little bit more leeway. They you know the Joker, Harley. Solomon Grundy, um, Catwoman, like it, like it was definitely a larger assortment of Batman characters in the game. And then, of course, you got Nightwing, Batgirl, etc. Again, I just think that with so many characters in the DC universe, you can you can spread that out a bit more. I mean, I like that they're adding, you know, Atroticus from the from the Red Lanterns. I like, uh, you know, in the the addition of Sinestro, I like the palette swap where you were able to play as Jon Stewart or Hal Jordan with Green Lantern. I thought that was really cool, something a lot of people didn't put a lot of stock in. Yeah, but I'd like to see, you know, characters like Swamp Thing or Etrigan the Demon, uh, you know, characters like that. They, I mean, you put Zatanna in the game, which is cool. You know, she was a fun character to use, but if you want to go that route, have a little fun with it. I mean, with, with the recent success of the CW's DC shows, it, it, it would be a no-brainer to add... I don't know, the Atom or uh, Firestorm, you you know, characters that have kind of reached mainstream appeal because it's going to be cool for those characters to be used in game. And of course, being able to use the costumes that were introduced on the shows is a nice touch as well. I mean, if you're going to do something with Batman, obviously you're going to put Batman in the game. The Joker is a no brainer. Harley is a no brainer. But what about, I don't know, a guy like the Penguin and letting him use different umbrellas or uh, going going a little obscure. How about somebody like Man Bat, you know, having some fun with that, or Killer Croc. Uh, you know, we already saw Solomon Grundy, maybe throw Killer Croc in there. Um, you know, it also ties into Suicide Squad. Throw Katana in there, another character that I think people would have a lot of fun with. Same thing with the characters for Superman. Like, we already know you're going to get Superman, you're going to get Lex Luthor. We saw Doomsday. Um, like to see Bizarro... Or, um, you know, Mongol from the, uh, from War World. Like, characters like that you could, you could do a lot with. But again, there, we're still fleshing out the roster for the game, but just some, some personal preferences I would like to see, uh, in the series when it debuts on consoles. All right. A lot of people were on social media recently, uh, giving Konami a lot of shit for their first non-Hideo Kojima Metal Gear game. This new game uh, is a stealth co-op game, four-player, titled Metal Gear Survive, and it is set in the Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes uh, universe. 
And essentially what happens is that the game, you know, the characters that weren't killed in the game's finale are taken through wormholes into an alternate universe where they got to face off against zombies and, of course, a Metal Gear. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not going to say it, it, it's bad, but it definitely goes to show you that Hideo Kojima and his contributions to the Metal Gear universe and the series as a whole are too big to just sweep under the rug. And, um, you know, the, the, the negative press from people was enough to validate that. I personally said to myself, you know, people are really, really shitting on this game. And while I understand the frustrations and I understand that, you know, it's a, it's a slap in the face to, to Hideo Kojima putting out a game that looks just so, so thrown together, I definitely get it. I, you know, I, I feel, I feel empathy and I empathize with a lot of fans that have been very angry about it. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm not going to play it or it sucks or fuck Konami because we've already kind of said our piece about that across varying mediums as gamers. Uh, it's, it's at this point, you just speak with your wallet. If, if the game looks like shit and you don't think it's going to succeed and it doesn't play well, don't buy it. Like, that's how I see it. I think that. And I've, and I've said this before, too often we jump on, you know, our, our, virtual, our virtual podiums to extol the virtues of, of what's good or really overly criticize what's bad. And that's fine. Don't misunderstand. I think that's, you know, that's the beauty of, of the age we live in, the ability to, to share your opinions on multiple mediums. But on the same, on the same token... You can speak with the thing that that really, really forces change, and that is your wallet. If a game is put out and it and it's terrible or or it has content that isn't that just isn't good, people if you don't buy it and you don't cover it, it doesn't sell. And the publishers will learn that yeah, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. And that's that's how I see it. But if you go and you're a hardcore Metal Gear fan, and you're willing to look past the fact that Kojima's not involved, you buy the game, and then you jump on YouTube or Facebook or whatever social media platform you, you decide to use and say, this game fucking sucks, man. I can't believe that Konami took it upon themselves to just, you know, dis- disrespect Hideo Kojima and put out this really shitty game. I can't believe I paid this money. It's like, all right, we got it. Like, that's, that's just how I see it. It's, it. We know what to expect going in. Hideo Kojima is not involved. That alone should tell you that your experience with the game may not be what you'd expect. That's all I'm saying. Otherwise, you know, let the game run its course, and if it's good, who knows? Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it'll be. Maybe the trailer just didn't do it justice, and the game is amazing. We, we're going to have to wait and see what happens. Me, personally... Another game where you shoot zombies, I just feel there's too many of those. That's all I'm saying. All right, last bit of gaming news on my end. I want to talk about the latest update to Star Wars Battlefront. Yes, that game is still getting updates. Uh, This new one, of course, is going to focus on the Death Star, which, of course, many of us are always looking forward to playing in, on, or around. In this case, the uh, Death Star DLC is divided into three tiers. You've got a space combat tier with X-Wings and A-Wings against TIE Fighters and TIE Interceptors. So if you are a fan of that type of combat, you will get that. The second part, of course, is going to be inside the Phase 2. It's obviously going to be combat inside the station. 
uh, using characters that are already in the game as well as new characters like Bosk and Chewbacca. And of course, the final phase is back in space with the Rebels attacking the Death Star, including being able to play as Luke Skywalker, which we know you're going to be able to pilot the uh, the X-Wing to blow up the Death Star. Pretty pretty cool, obviously. You're going to have a little fun with that. And of course, you can also play as Darth Vader in his TIE Fighter. Uh, the Death Star mode will be available in September for Season Pass holders. I think that, um, for me personally, you're you're really going to get... Let me rephrase that. I really feel that EA, in in one of those few instances, is actually really pushing out the DLC quite a bit for Battlefront. It, it feels like it wasn't that long ago I was talking about another DLC update that the game was putting out. I remember going to an EA event. I believe it was with Danny, as a fact, from Royal Flush, as a matter of fact, from, from Royal Flush Magazine. And when I played Star Wars Battlefront at the time, I was like, wow, you know, this, this looks pretty dope. And... Um, I did a second EA event, I believe, with Jimbo Slice, and we got to check it out. And it continued to improve, looked really good. And I said to myself, damn, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty badass. And um, obviously now, here we are, 2016, chugging along, and more DLC uh, is being put out for that game. So kudos to EA on that one. I got to give those guys props. That's for damn sure. I've been uh, informed... That uh, I believe Slick is calling in. Let me cue him up. Slick, what's up, dude? What's up? What's going on, brother? Not much. Finally beating the heat. Um, I was trying to um, <clears throat> excuse me. I was trying to get in when you were talking about Metal Gear. You know, me and myself, I'm not the the biggest Metal Gear fan or really one at all. But I mean, I definitely, I definitely feel. The, the situation of how Fidel Kadima was let go, and I, I personally feel like they 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 did him dirty. I mean, they did. There's the situation going back to the um, the Game Awards back in December, where granted because it was for a Konami game that that's what raised the situation, but an award was given specifically to him. And he was legally prevented from going to that show and accepting that award. Like, I think that's kind of messed up. I don't I disagree. Mean, personally, I feel... that I'm sorry. No, I said I don't disagree. I feel like... And I'm not saying that I felt the trailer looked bad. I looked at it. I was like, it is what it is. It really didn't have a lot of gameplay. It was really just, a, you know, a, like a, a CGI trailer. Right. But... Even if the game winds up being fantastic somehow, I feel that anybody that feels the way that I do about the whole Kojima situation and that calls himself a Metal Gear fan, going back to what you said with your pocket, shouldn't support the game. That's it. But you know what it is? It would be an amazing thing if, again, let's just for argument's sake say that this was a... Anywhere from like 8.5 to 10 rated game. A great game. Okay. It would be an amazing thing if it sold zero units. Because I don't, I'm not saying fuck Konami. Because Konami is a company. They got to do what they got to do. Companies right. fire people every day. Correct. And it could be amicably or, you know, terribly. I just feel that they should have worked on a new IP or an older IP that doesn't involve Hideo Kojima. This is 
I have some very horrible imagery in my head. So I'm going to say this is really, really a hard slap in the face. No, I think so. I so, think I think that to to add to what you said, it's true. You have to speak with your wallet. But to that point, I also got to say, you know, if the game is good, it's just it's just Konami wanting to show that, hey, we could do it without you. I'm not saying that's right or that's wrong. Obviously, business is business. But it also goes back to the whole point of if you are a fan of the series, and I mean a diehard fan, you got to ask yourself, am I a fan of Hideo Kojima's work or am I a fan of the universe that he created? And yes, that answer can be yes across the board. That answer can be I'm a fan of the characters. And you may get sucked in just on that and you may buy the game and then obviously it's good or it's bad whatever it is but i just think that when you look at what konami is doing this game wasn't just being put out for the sake of let's continue to squeeze the life out of the metal gear ip it was like i said an a, a parting shot letting letting hideo kojima know that hey we could do this without you now the question is can you do it as good or better without him that w- that's what remains to be seen. But to go out there and and be like, oh, you know, fuck this game, blah, blah, blah. It's like, listen, advertisers, PR reps, whatever, they read social media and they look at it. And all they're going to look at is hollow words. Because if you're, buy- if you're com- complaining online and the game comes out and you're one of the first guys out there to buy it, then all that shit you talked meant nothing. You know? Absolutely. And that's that's why I will be very interested to see how well this game does because in my experience, the quote-unquote hardcore Metal Gear fans would and should be in support of Kojima, which to me also says that they shouldn't buy this game. I mean, I'm not telling anybody to, to buy or to not buy this game. I'm just saying how I feel about the situation based upon how people have behaved towards this series since the very first game, since even before Metal Gear Solid, since Metal Gear on Nintendo. But <clears throat> we'll see what happens. I mean... No, I agree. Like I said, if it, if it sold zero copies, that would be an amazing thing, just not even for Hideo Kojima or, you know as a bad thing for Konami, but it would finally, finally show, you know, some kind of solidarity in the gaming community, and it would show uh, publishers, more so than than developers, but publishers that you can't just do whatever you want. Right. And that's what's missing. You have to listen to the fans and stuff. And And that's what's something that you and I, we've talked about ad nauseum in various episodes of MTR. It's exactly that, the community. By and large, you know, when, you know, the community is wronged and, I, and I'm going to go I'm going to go into real, real territory for a second. And um, I don't do it often, but I'm going to go into some real world shit. As many of you know, you know, minorities across the board are, you know, getting killed by law enforcement, whether it's justified, non-justified. It's it's a it's a case where there's a lot of motherfuckers getting killed out there and there's movements in place, obviously, to to protest these actions. And I look at those movements without getting overly political or putting my own beliefs out there. I look at these movements and I say to myself, you know, 
it's cool that you guys are that people are rising up and uniting towards a common good in in some capacity. But I'll tell you this: if you live in an urban neighborhood in any state in America, and you're and you're protesting, obviously the current climate, whether it's protesting Trump or police brutality or whatever, and you're not out there when a child in your neighborhood is killed by a stray bullet, then that's a big fucking problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we're, you, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not taking away from anyone that's out there protesting. And that's the whole point. You know, it's like, I always talk about, you know, hashtag activists on social media. It's like, oh, I'm offended, blah, blah, blah. It's like, how many protests have you gone to? How many civil disobedience arrests have you, have you been a part of? Oh, yeah, that's right. None. You know? But the same people that are going out there and, and talking about, oh, you know, fucking law enforcement, blah, blah, blah. And, and again, not putting my own beliefs out there or turning this into that type of a show. I got to say that, you know, there's shitty people in everything. There's shitty people in government. There's shitty people in law enforcement. There's shitty people in our own race. Hell, our own neighbors, there's good neighbors and shitty ones. Right in our own block, sometimes doors from each other. I'm sure you can attest to that as well. Am I right? I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. There you go. But that's, <laughs> but that's what I mean. You know, everywhere you go, it doesn't matter. There's, there's shitty people. And I say this with regards to the gaming community because people unite... When, and let me, let me be clear, people unite sometimes in the gaming community over some of the most ridiculous stuff. Instead of uniting for the stuff that matters, you know what I'm saying? There should be more accountability out there for online harassment, and nobody should be co-signing for that shit. A streamer shouldn't have to worry about a SWAT team coming to his house. That shit's not funny, you know? No, it's not. That's a whole other discussion that right. we, we would, you know, talk all day on. Right, but that's the kind of stuff I'm saying. You know, um, how about this? Sexual orientation. Whatever your sexual orientation should be should not take away from the fact that you're a gamer like anyone else. And that shouldn't be looked at as a negative in any capacity. Or your race or gender or any of that. None of that should be viewed in any capacity other than the the one label gamers you know and that's that's the thing like this instance if you're if you're if you're upset if you're upset about what konami is doing with hideo kojima then don't give the game any love don't give the game any love and i mean legitimately but i'm talking about prom, you know promote that across the board go into your metal gear fan forum go into your you know x y and z and say listen man you know, what they did to, you know, Kojima-san is fucked up. We don't agree with it. And I think the only way that we can make a legitimately powerful statement is not buying the game. You know? Period. Like, that's how it is. And that's the problem. Too many people jump on social media. And, and this isn't just, uh, you know, guys in the industry, but also, you know, journalists. And I say that loosely. You know, journalists that are running out there and they're like, yeah, you know... This is bullshit. You know, this game is bull. It's like, okay, uh, we got it. You don't like the game. Cover it objectively or don't. Here's it. It's like, here's a refreshing idea. Don't. (laughs) 
Have this nice glass and shut the fuck up. That's it. How many? You you want to know something funny? I get on an average three times a month. Uh, people interested in putting sponsored posts on the site, okay? With real money, real money, and they'll be like, "Yeah, you know, we want to put this post about blah blah blah." And I and the first question I ask is, "What are you linking to?" Oh, we're linking to an online gambling site. Nope, can't do it. Nope. Not because it's good or bad, but because that's not that's not it. You know, that takes away from whatever message we're trying to do. You could write an amazing article, and if the first time you write games, the hot link is to you know xcasino.com, then no, because you're devaluing the content. Yes, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind a couple of extra dollars in the in the RageWorks coffers. Don't misunderstand. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to go to bed at night and be and ask yourself, am I making my money comfortably and in a way that I can sleep at night? Simple as that. And this is and this is the same thing that could that that Konami should ask themselves like what we did is it worth it? Is it is it worth taking a guy's entire legacy and flushing it down the toilet? Is it? That's right? I, I mean, I'm sure you don't understand what I'm about to say. That's uh I feel personally a poor question just because you're talking about you're talking about money. And when you're talking about money being made by a corporation, pretty much anything goes. It does. Unfortunately, but, that's the way it is. Yeah, but but listen, dude, and, and this isn't a question of, you know, morals, but there's plenty of corporations. There's plenty of people in this world that are big time business people that walk away from deals, that walk away from money because they don't agree with the end game. And, and I agree with you. It's just that, you know, unfortunately, nine times out of ten, it's what you said. It's right. People more in a singular sense, right, versus that corporation in a collective sense, right. I understand. A person will walk away from from a deal, and then that corporation they formerly represented represented will continue on in that same path that the person walked away from. And that's the thing that that's irksome with this situation. It's like, all right, Konami put this game out, and you know everybody's like, ah, this game, blah blah. And you know what they're saying to themselves? Uh, themselves, they're like, yeah, you know, the same people that are shitting on the game will be buying the game either way. And that's the that's that's the elephant in the room. Yeah, I mean, I I believe that I know some people that are Metal Gear fans that probably won't buy it. Right. And then I know some people that that are Metal Gear fans that will buy it. Because, like I said, there's two types of Metal Gear fans. There's the fans that are fans of the characters and the universe, regardless of who's at the helm. As long as Snake is involved or some deviation of Snake, they're in. And then there are people that are like, I'm a fan of the of the universe that Hideo Kojima cultivated. That he grew, that he that he nurtured, that he fueled. That's what I'm a fan of. And it, it, there's there's no right or wrong type of a fan. But just don't be the fan that talks out of both sides of their face, you know? Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any ill feeling towards this game if Hideo Kojima just said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Thanks for all, you know, thanks for the memories and all that. Right. Peace out. And then Konami from there. Continued. 
said, well, okay, it's great. It's, it's great that that uh, the time we have with Hideo Kojima, but we still got to move forward, and we're going to be doing this new Metal Gear game. And, you know, whether or not he did, let's, let's say for argument's sake, he gave his blessing, then that would be great. Right. That's fine to have that, that kind of Hideo, sorry, that kind of Metal Gear game without Hideo Kojima. I mean, using another franchise that one man kind of speaks for it and has continued without him, Gears of War. Right. Cliffy B has basically walked away from that. Right. So, you know, they're, they're continuing with that. And it's all good. Exactly. It's not like there was a falling out and they're like, well, fuck this guy. We're going to do it anyway. That's, that is what Tanami's doing. And exactly. that's why, you know, at least I have a problem with it. No, I, I, I share that sentiment, but here's, here's where I am in that respect. If it boiled down to, and, and this is me speaking honestly, if it was a question that, hey, you, you know, we're going to review this game. Whether we get it or we don't, whatever. We're going to review it. We're going to review it, but in the back of our minds, we're going to review it from the standpoint of, is the game good or not? And there's always going to be an underlying tone of, would this game have been better if Kojima was involved? And that's what they should be more concerned about. Obviously, people are going to buy it, and there's going to be uh, you know, naysayers across the board. But the biggest question is going to be, is the game going to be viewed objectively when the ele- again you know the, ele- the the proverbial elephant in the room is would this game have been better if this guy would have done it? Yeah, if if Konami put the game in my hand and said here review it, would I review it objectively? Absolutely. And part of that is the fact that I, I will be standing by my principle right. of not supporting that game. I am not spending money on that right. game because Konami put it in my hands. Exactly. At the same time, when I write that review, I will simply say whether or not I feel the game is good, why I feel the game is good or not, and I will not give any commentary like sometimes I do on whether or not I feel people should buy it. Right. Because on an August on well this time August nineteenth, two thousand and sixteen, I already, you know, put forward my position on that. Right. But that's what I mean. The- and unfortunately, you know, as a reviewer, that's not something I should be saying. Of course. But you gotta you have to look at it from that perspective and you have to be accepting of the fact that there's always you have to preface it with how you feel. And people people lose sight of that, you know? That's one of the things that people... That makes me take pride in reading reviews from certain sites where the reviewer's personality, their feelings, their their energy is in the words on the screen. Sure, you could go and read a deeply analytical review of... You, you can read a, de- a deeply analytical review on IGN or Polygon or Kotaku, and, and, you know, you can read it and you can get all the information you want, all the insight that's necessary, but you're not going to feel the same energy versus reading the words from, I don't know, I mean, if, if Danny wrote a review for a game that I wanted to play on Royal Flush Magazine's website, I'd go, I'd read it, and I'd feel some sort of, I'd feel some kinship, not because I know her as a person, but because there's emotion in the words that are on the screen. And that's something that 
people people lose sight of. It's like, you know, yeah, you could write a big article and you could work for Polygon, but the minute that your words essentially read like a manual, you lose what you're trying to convey. You know? I hear you. And it's true. If you review the game, if you said, hey, I'm going to review this game, or Konami sent us this game, and you reviewed it, and you said, hey, you know, this game, blah, 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 and, you know, it, 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 and you're going to review it and be like, hey, it's good. But like I said, for you personally, it's going to be in the back of your mind, hey, you know, could this game have been better if Kojima would have been in there, you know? See, that's the part that I wouldn't have any problem having some commentary in the review on. But other than that, like, you know, whether it's worth your money, something like that, I would admit from the review. Okay. See, in that in that respect, I would, I'd include it, but I would definitely say, I would definitely raise the question in the review itself. You know, I'd say, would, would, would we have objectively reviewed this game better if Kojima would have done it? And I, and, and it's a question because you know what? It's it's a question that should be asked by any media outlet. Should be. Genuinely. It should be asked of themselves and of their readers. Because you know what? When Konami decides, hey, we're going to start reading reviews on this game, they're going to see like, damn, you know, every review or, or 75 or 80% of the reviews we've read say the same thing like, eh, it was good, but could it have been better if X would have been involved? And again, going back to what we said before, a unified message, you know? I hear you, man. It's funny that you talk about this now because earlier tonight, and I'm trying to remember his name as I'm, as I'm saying this, I saw a, um, I mean, I had seen it before, but I saw a um, gameplay footage from the upcoming God of War game. Okay. And I'm, I'm listening to Kratos you know, not even to yell at his son because he doesn't talk to his son. And I'm like, wow, I, I really don't like this guy's voice. It's like, I really miss T.C. Carson. Right. And after, you know, this whole conversation that we had, it's like, I still feel that way, but I kind of got to shut up because when whatever release date comes, I'm, I'm going to get the new God of War game. Exactly. But see... As long as you respect what it is, you know what I mean? Like, as long as you say to yourself, you know, this game was great. I miss this guy's, you know, this voice actor. Stuff like that is important, you know? It's like, I just don't understand why companies will bring back a franchise after a certain number of years and not even contact the original talent. But again, that's, a whole other conversation that we could go on all all day with. Of course, I did. I did want to add, you know, from from my from my point in terms of of gaming stuff this week. I know you got a few things too. That you know, MPD numbers kind of trickled out, not completely. Hopefully, I'll have them in in their entirety for next week's show. But you want to hear something crazy? What Nintendo's 3DS sales are up eighty percent year over year. Well, I could probably you know speculate on why that is well you know one of the I things mean, one of the things that they're saying pokemon omega red and alpha sapphire the latest console titles in that franchise were also up 80 percent year over year well I, I was definitely going to say that it has to do with pokemon right and 
I, I don't think so much it's Omega. I think I just messed that up. Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Because well, those, I actually don't have those. Well, here's. I think I. Um, I did want to add this um, yeah. to it, which was that, you know, in a piece that TechCrunch put out, they called it a halo effect uh, due to Pokemon Go. They said that the. Um, that po- sales of Pokemon X and Y, which came out in October 2013, were up 200% compared to their sales last year. Okay. I, I, I definitely was going to say that Pokemon Go has to do with it because I actually do know some people, one or two people that, you know, started playing Pokemon recently. And I don't mean Go. I mean one of the... One of the the um, the cartridge titles, right? And there, you know, a lot of them are people who have never played Pokemon before. Like, I, somebody asked me, why can't I freaking catch Abra? Why does it always run away? Which you know, anybody who's played from the beginning knows that that's the only move it knows: teleport. That's why it always runs away. You gotta put it to sleep or catch it before it runs away. Right. But um. I was thinking more it has to do, I mean, definitely Pokemon Go is the catalyst, but I was thinking more that a lot of people are at least becoming aware that a brand new Pokemon game is coming out in November, and that right. the um, the Alpha Sapphire or Omega Alpha, or uh, Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, whatever, right, and XY will more than likely have connectivity with sun and moon in some way, shape, or form. Right. Because, like, the last generation almost always has trading capability with the new generation, or there'll be some kind of um, room or safari zone or something where Pokemon from the old games can be brought into the new games one way, of course. Right. And I was thinking that it may have to do with that because the popularity of... Pokemon Go is telling people, oh, maybe I could, maybe I should start playing the actual game either again or for the first time. Right. But the thing, the thing that's crazy is to your point, it's like, while Nintendo isn't making money off of Pokemon Go, to, to your point, that, you know, getting, getting the smartphone audience, which is exactly what we talked about how many years ago, getting the smartphone audience engaged in their IPs will will make that audience carry over to want to pick up their other offerings. I I definitely hear you and the only thing shit we said I it. That... <laughs> we fucking said it on more than a than a million different conversations on o- over the course of of the 300 plus episodes we've done. I'm like, "Hey man, if Nintendo dipped their toes in the mobile pool, they'd get a new audience." You did definitely say that. You know? The one thing I think that they need to incorporate, and I don't know if somehow the um, the development of Pokemon Go had an effect on this or vice versa. I know you, you play the game, but not as, I'll use the word, insanely as I do or some others do. Dude, I'm just a level um, seven. I'm just a level seven dude with like 30 Pokemon I've caught. <laughs> you know, I think yeah, I got. I was Sunday night. I was I was I was by the Globe Sunday night by the Queen's Museum. Right. 
Now, that in itself sounds kind of crazy that I'm out in freaking Flushy Meadow Park at midnight. Yeah. What's crazier is that there were people driving around. Yep. It's not a driving area. What the fuck are you doing in your car? Yep. But um, there are a few of the, like right now, I think there are only 141 or 142 that you can catch out of the 151 original. That's correct. Right now, it's limited to the, it's limited to the original red, blue, green, yellow generation. See, no, no bullshit. My, my, my little, my little number seven trainer. I'm going to put this out there for you guys so you guys could see that I'm just I'm just not on on the level you guys are at. I've got 27 out of 250 so far. And my most powerful ones are a pincer, a pidgeot and a golbat. <laughs> That's it. And I got oh, like I don't have it up right now and, it, it and I got like 9 load, 9 eggs. <laughs> I'm pushing level 23. And I have, I believe, 99 out of 100, or it's, it's close to 100. It's not 100 yet, out of 100 or something. My strongest Pokemon is a Lapras that I hatched because I've still never seen one in the wild. That is somewhere in the range of the combat power is 1,800 and something. Damn. Well, there you go. But that's what I mean. Like, like playing that and the carryover for for other titles is a no-brainer and this continues to reinforce the fact that if nintendo bridged the gap a little more and dipped their toes in the pool a little more some of those things would pay for themselves like right now everybody's waiting for the nx and blah 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 and this or that or the other and it's fine you know it's cool whatever's coming is is going to be awesome in some capacity but the fact is that there's still life in the stuff that's out there it's just a matter of whether they choose to leverage and create any added value via the other mediums that they have access to. I think like the, the biggest complaint that people still have with regard to Pokemon is that they never made an official game and put it on the home console, which up until now I didn't really agree with. I mean, I get it that it's pocket monsters. You want it in your, you know, quote unquote pocket console. Right. But up until Pokemon Go came out where, you know, it's important to move around, it really didn't make any sense. Right. And the only, only other thing that I think that they need to do with maybe Pokemon Go is what they plan to do or not plan, what they are doing with the, um, Sun and Moon series, which they're revitalizing the the original ones and making them making them different now. Like everybody knows that Pikachu is the electric mouse. That you know, it's an electric type. Raichu, the evolved form, is also an electric type. Right. Raichu is now in the. It's called the Alola region. I thought it was Aloha for a second. Raichu is an electric psychic type now because. It's there's a whole different area, so just like in real life, some of the creatures evolve differently. Interesting. Vulpix and its evolved form nine tails, which you know are classically fire types, are now ice types. So is sand slash, which is normally a ground type, it's now an ice type. So they're they're changing up a lot of the original ones, which 
aside from the fact that a new a new generation of games is coming out, that is really revitalizing the series in my eyes. It, it that that was the thing that made me most interested in getting Sun and Moon. Right. The fact that the originals are coming back different, like and not just different types. Some of them don't even look the same, like Executor, which looks like a, a giant walking coconut tree, looks more like, in, in the Alola region, looks more like a giant walking palm tree. Right. And it's now a dragon type, which that part doesn't make so much sense to me, but whatever. No, I think I think looking at the MPD numbers and seeing where we're going with this, I'm curious and intrigued to see where the standings are across the board. Like now, obviously, Nintendo's going to make sure to put out, hey, you know, we're doing this, and that's great. And, you know, the piece that TechCrunch had put out really kind of drove that point home. But I want to see how they stand alongside everyone else. Because, you know, even though there's games that are coming out, it's still semi-quiet, you know? Well, I I see that from what I'm seeing, uh, Nintendo's going to have an insane holiday. I agree. I can agree with that statement. As far as you know, everything else, this week was an interesting week, at least for me, for gaming. One game, of course, was Hitman. I mentioned last week. That's right. Hitman has gone to, to Bangkok, and there was also, as far as Square Enix, because Hitman is a Square Enix title. As of today, the um, Just Cause Three. Varium Sea Heist is now available to That's right. all players. Last week it was only available to those who had the expansion pass, which, considering how much they, they charge individually for those missions, it only makes sense to get the expansion pass. Right. But um, I didn't get a chance to stream that yet, and that's because you could fry a freaking egg on my windowsill all last weekend. That's right. It was just entirely, it was entirely too hot. I, I couldn't do it, but I, I do especially since I have sort of upgraded the the um, streaming to include my voice now. Yes, sir. I, Congratulations. I get that going. Well, it's, it's still not where I want it to Oh, did you drop out, Slick? Earth to Slick. I can interact with you. There you go. You know, before it was just a quiet stream, and I, I couldn't even interact with the people who were watching. People would type to me and be like, why is this guy responding? This is true. I um I haven't you know the testing streams I've done is only because I've been trying to find a good a good microphone for those situations but I actually uh had some stuff that I had unboxed that I was trying to put together some content for and I forgot that I had got one of these Gamescom 818 so I'm going to try it out for a stream maybe this weekend uh see how it goes or maybe post show while the stuff is rendering I'll try and do some some testing streams with with actual dialogue. Okay, so we're let getting me know. there. I'll definitely let me know. I'll definitely be in there. Yeah, I got I got but, um, I got more old shit <laughs> that I can stream. Oh, by the way, you know what I found out? Um, what you know? I shared my my tale of woe with the Xbox One S. You know that the One S two terabyte configuration is is a limited version. What, tell me what that means exactly. I, like, I hear you, but well, here's, give me the bad news. Well, this is the whole thing. It's like there's 500 gig and one and one terabyte configurations, but 
everybody was saying that the two terabyte ones are a limited release from Microsoft. Then again, take it with a grain of salt. I'm still trying to get to the bottom of it, but I was like, fuck, you know, the two terabytes is great. I mean, on my, for my Xbox one. Now I bought a, uh, an external hard drive, which I plugged in to up my storage. And, um, after I bought it, of course, the Xbox one S announcement came out and I was like, you motherfuckers, <laughs> you know? And, of course, everybody's like, yeah, but you know, Project Scorpio's coming and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, it is. And, I'll, and uh, eventually I'll make that that change. But the way I look at it is that they, they were very calculated in the release of this console. Because if you go to most local GameStops, they don't even have it. Very calculated. But, yeah. but, they, but they will gladly for, ask you to pre-order, you know, a Madden bundle or a Gears bundle. To which I would probably just remain quiet or walk out the store. You know what it is, man. I um, I definitely, I like I said, I want to get the one S because it's smaller. It frees up some shelf space, and um, you know the whole 4K thing is kind of cool because I'm sure if I move to a new place, which is the goal, I definitely would like a 4K style TV or for as the centerpiece for my for my home theater. You know, right. And the Scorpio, yeah, I mean, Microsoft is saying that you know they plan to they plan to end the console wars with the Scorpio console. We'll see how that goes. I I feel that the console wars aren't even a thing to that to, to as much as it was when you know in the in the early days because a lot of the stuff carries over from system to system, minus obviously the exclusives. The console wars aren't a thing, and anybody can disagree with me on this and get mad at me or whatever because there's really nothing exclusive on Xbox worth having. That's my personal feeling. That's the only reason why I don't own an Xbox One. Okay, and that's there's fine. so much stuff that comes out, you know, exclusive to PS4 that I just don't see anything on Xbox One that even compares. And like I said, that's why I don't have the Xbox One. It's not, you know, bias. It's just it doesn't have anything it for would you. Four hundred dollars out of my pocket for nothing. Nope i i I understand that, man. For me, I mean, there's good stuff on each on each console. Um, the last, you know, one of the most recent Killer Instinct updates really stepped it up. Uh, they brought back Idol from from the original game. His design is insane. I want to try and get some some footage out so people can see him in action. I was like, wow, they really took it to another level with his design. And that's the thing. You don't even. When there is something with Xbox, you barely hear anything about it. Yep, that, that's like that's I get definitely. Stuff I agree, day and I've heard nothing about any of these instinct updates. I'm not trying to act like I'm the media mogul for games, but no, no, no. I I, I, I seen something. Yep, it's true. You know where it, where it pops up and like you know fight, fighting game specific uh, sites, and I think it just happens because it's like there's more. Uh, tournament coverage and it's like oh yeah by the way blah 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 like i was playing it and i hadn't played it in a couple of weeks when they had put out the updates that gave you like general rom from gears and um uh some other new characters and they brought back uh you know gargos which of course you know his design is is bonkers too and i'm like all right and then i turn it on like idols in the game oh shit i'm like that's pretty insane I know was one of the cheesiest bosses ever. 
Oh, dude, even even now as just a character in game, I'm like, oh my god! Like I haven't even ventured online because I know that anybody who's who uses him as a main, it's just <laughs> it's just bludgeon central. Yeah, that freaking club was yep. like the end. It's like Gargos wasn't even as bad because yeah, he's a giant gargoyle, but yeah, all he has is fist. I'm Tusk. I have a freaking eight foot long sword. It's like good luck getting them claws in my face. Well, you know what was funny? They uh, they added this new character. She's uh, I guess she's a vampire. Kind of looks like it, but it's funny because her attacks, like her special attacks, actually um, drain her her energy from the drain the energy from the life bar, and then you got to obviously drain blood from your opponent to keep your life bar up. Which is which strategically makes you kind of play a little differently. Like I was kind of messing around with the character a little bit, and I was like, "Wow, it's pretty insane." Just it, it's like not only are you trying to stay alive and not get killed by your opponent, but you're trying to make sure that you don't you don't tax yourself out with all the special attacks. You know? Yeah, that's something I've seen before. It's just not done that often because people don't really care for it. Because yep. There's. There are people who are that offensive that can use a character like that, but most people will will attack until they find somebody that can outthink them, and then they go into turtle mode. Right. And turtle mode ain't going to work with a character like that. Absolutely not. you got to be on offense, but your offense has to be used judiciously. Good. You know, but it was it was, it was cool. I, I like the updates, and but to your point, I didn't even know about them. Like, I just turned on the console on Sunday – because there was some free stuff I wanted to, to, to download before it expired. And I'm like, oh, shit. Let me turn on some Killer Instinct while the game's down, you know, while the stuff downloads. Because you got to wait. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty, you know, just, again, just just having some fun with, with the game. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty dope. This is cool. I like this, you know. I'm glad you're having fun with it. There you go. Well, outside of the stuff that we broke down, is there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, just, um... I'm going to be getting up some more Hitman videos, and um, I'm going to try to stream some stuff this weekend because it's finally, you know, a mildly bearable temperature. Yes, it is. And there's definitely something coming on Tuesday from Rageworks in terms of gaming. I can't speak on it right now because I'm under an embargo, but uh, you've probably seen the the review I was working on in, in the in the site. I most certainly did. I I played through it already. It's it's um it's definitely gonna be something that I have thoughts on. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's kinda weird that it's there's an embargo considering it's been out on PC and Xbox for about two months now. Well, I think Xbox for close to two months and PC for about a month. But whatever. On Tuesday I'll definitely unleash that and we should have a stream on that. Because um, I think it's definitely going to be something pe- people will want to see. Okay. So definitely tune in for that one. I'll put a. Um, that's the one thing about the the new setup I have. I usually will announce a stream. I can't really announce a stream if I'm using the um, the PlayStation connection to YouTube. Right. Because you, you can't create a um, an event and then start it from. PlayStation and, and have it sync up. up. Right. <clears throat> so that's the one big downside. So basically I have to either just say I'm going to try to start at such and such time and just be like, hey, I'm streaming. 
Right. Makes sense. Oh, and of course, we got King of Fighters next week. Yes, that that was the other thing I was going into. The um, I dropped the last two team trailers today. That's right. Also, if um, my boy K, <laughs> if you missed any of the <clears throat> the other fourteen uh, team trailers, because there's a total of sixteen teams and two bosses, you can check that out. the The article on RageWorks.net at the bottom there is a playlist that has all 16 teams, so you can see all 48 of the regular fighters. Nice. And um, hopefully Tuesday we will be ha- have a review for King of Fighters 14. But uh, fingers crossed because I haven't heard back from Atlas yet. Right. And this, uh, oh, yeah, the other big game, which is another fingers crossed from Square Enix, Deus Ex Mankind Divided drops on Tuesday. That's right. I'm going to definitely try to get some streams out of, of um, Human Revolution. Again, for those who are watching, I'm sorry that I haven't continued that throwback series, but it's just been too damn hot the past couple of weeks. Gotcha. My freaking my PlayStation 4, when I turned it on, sounded like DEFCON 1. Yeah, no, can't have that. All right. Anything else, my friend? No, I'm good for now. All right, brother. Thank you for the assist uh, once again this week. It is appreciated. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, brother. Peace. There you have it. Our very own Slick lending his expertise for the gaming segment this week. Uh, with that bit of gaming news that he wrapped up and those announcements, we are going to switch gears, jump into this week's entertainment news. Lots to cover. Want to share my five-minute movie review of Sausage Party. So... Let's not waste any more time and get right to it. All right, so I want to get the party started with my five-minute review of Sausage Party, uh, the animated feature, which is rated R for a fuckload of reasons, sex, drug use, strong language, uh, sexual situations. The R rating is 1000% justified. So please, I don't care how mature your kids are. Don't take them to see this movie. If you appreciate old school 90 sex comedies and things of that nature, then this is a film for you. With that said, the written review of this film is on RageWorks.net, as well as our interview with the directors of the film. There's a little bit of controversy going around regarding the treatment of the animators and overtime pay, which I'm still trying to dig a little deeper into, but nonetheless, the content for the film is on RageWorks.net. I had the privilege of seeing this movie on Thursday with my colleague Danny from Royal Flush Magazine, and I walked in expecting a lot of juvenile, over-the-top, food-based humor. And um, it wasn't Thursday, it was Wednesday, that's right, thank you, Slick, this this past Wednesday. Um, The thing about this film is that underneath all the, the sexual jokes and strong language 
there there were some interesting messages. And with that said, I'm going to break it down a little bit. There is going to be some spoiler stuff, so I'm going to give you guys, you know, five seconds to fast forward to a later part of the show. Otherwise, you're going to have some stuff spoiled if you are going to see the film. All right, that's it. Here we go. So, Sausage Party follows uh, a bunch of food in a supermarket, Shopwells, and focuses on Frank, uh, you know, which happens to be a sausage. I don't know why, because he looks like a fucking hot dog, uh, voiced by Seth Rogen, and his relationship with a bun named Brenda. And what ends up happening is, you know, all the food in the supermarket aspires to be purchased or taken home by the gods, namely humans, to the great beyond where they expect to partake in all the vices that many of us dream of when we get to paradise. Sex, drugs, whatever the case may be, whatever you're you're into, that's what the, the food at Shopwells aspired to get to when they left the store. So what ends up happening is uh, there's, there's some shopping going on and um, one particular product gets purchased, goes to the great beyond, and is returned. When the product is returned back to the supermarket, obviously the product, in this case honey mustard, got a glimpse of what awaits food when they leave the supermarket. Needless to say, um, it led to an incredibly amusing rant between honey mustard and ketchup. And of course, from there, the sausages and buns were selected, obviously, for the July 4th holiday. Well, in this case, the day before, which is when the film takes place, um, you know, Red, White and Blue Day. And what ends up happening is that there was an accident. The produce, uh, the, the groceries get separated and our main character, Frank, gets separated from his pack of sausages and his love interest, Brenda, gets separated from her pack of buns. They're trying to you know, get to the bottom of things. Obviously, Frank was affected by the stuff that Honey Mustard said about, you know, the great beyond. And of course, he goes on a journey of self-discovery. Along the way, he meets a bagel and a lavash, which um, probably had some of the craziest dialogue and really touched on some real world stuff. In this case, uh, the bagel was being viewed as a Jewish character and the lavash was, you know, Middle Eastern or Palestinian, depending on, on how you want to look at the correlation. In any case, um, you know, both of them were arguing about shelf space. Oh, you know, you guys come to our shelf, you take over the shelf and we get displaced. That's what lavash's commentary was towards the bagel. And, you know, the bagel's like, listen, we're just trying to, to live on our land, on our shelf, you know, and it is what it is. You know, we're not, we were here first. And, you know, Frank says, well, why can't you both live on the shelf? And, of course, they laugh and they're like, oh, this fucking guy is stupid. He's, he's insane. That's crazy. And it was an interesting, you know, wink and a nod kind of a moment to, to acknowledging, you know, the current, the current climate in Israel with, um, people of Jewish, the, the, Isra- the Israelis and the Palestinians. And um, it was it was crazy. It was it was really, really crazy how they did that. And it was smart, but also very, very humorous. They also, you know, they, there were Nazis that happened to be sauerkraut and, um, you know, displacing the Jews, which obviously it's the Nazis displacing the Jews. Um, obviously, there was a lot of racially charged humor, a lot of sexual humor 
and an ending, my friends, that I can't I, I can't divulge because it would be it would I wouldn't be able to do it justice. But I know that Danny's in the chat and she can attest to the fact that that ending was the craziest shit I've seen on screen in quite some time. So I saw the film that Wednesday. That Saturday, my, my wife was like, man, you're, you're speaking so you've spoke so highly of it. We should go see it. So I went. I saw it a second time, just as funny as the first. But what amused me was when the film was over and the credits were, were done and people were walking out of the theater, they were pretty much of the mindset of what the fuck did I just watch? And with that, I will say that Sausage Party was very funny, but it had a level of smart comedy that you that you can catch if you're, you know, a savvy, a savvy movie, you know, a savvy movie watcher. But it also painted a, a very interesting narrative in the sense that there is room in the box office for an R rated animated film. I think that that's something that we hadn't seen in quite some time. And it was actually a question we posed to the directors, you know, just, hey, you know, are you guys going to be the flag bearers for 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 creating a, a new genre of R-rated animated films? And, you know, they, it's one of those things where we don't see it often. I mean, thinking back, animated films that kind of push the envelope. I mean, Cool World, which and, and I'm dating myself, Cool World, I remember watching it and I was just like, wow, this is this is tough or heavy metal if you watched heavy metal at, you know when you were younger or even recently you're like wow they they really took it there so there's definitely a lot of instances where the comedy definitely pushed the envelope so again you know if you are not a fan of overly sexual comedy or racial humor you may you may not be totally comfortable with the film but if you go in there with an open mind just with the mindset of trying to laugh you're gonna come out. You're gonna come out very happy. I did. You know, I rated the film uh, four out of five stars on RageWorks.net. Again, you can get a a deeper analysis on the site. But if you haven't checked out Sausage Party, please do. Uh, especially if you're if you're a comedy buff, you're you're gonna appreciate the work that went into it. And some of the voice cast that was involved in this film will surprise you. There there obviously were guys. You know, Seth Rogen, Kristen Wiig, which are mainstays. Um, Danny McBride, which why not? Craig Robinson, again, guys that you would expect. And, um, you know, it was funny because the director said that, you know, Rogan and those guys, they called in a lot of favors, got in a lot of different people to do voice work for this film. And man, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing stuff on screen. So please do yourselves a favor. If you haven't, check it out. Uh, you can catch it on matinee, but it's definitely worth experiencing with a group of people just because of, that laughter, you know, that infectious laughter that happens when you're watching something that's genuinely funny is is never a bad thing. And, you know, for 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 a person who has, you know, resting anger management issues, um, it was good to have a good laugh. Uh, definitely, again, grateful to, to Danny for for the invite. And I'm glad I went to see it. I thoroughly enjoyed it, man. And if you if you get a chance, definitely check it out. All right. With that said, that's going to wrap up that five-minute movie review. I think I probably went a little over five minutes, but nonetheless uh, worth checking out. Last week, I forgot to talk about this potential rumor. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. This rumor that has started to pick up steam, and it is a rumor that Jason Momoa 
who many of you know is portraying Aquaman in Justice League and was also Kyle Drogo of Game of Thrones, is now being looked at to possibly play the Crow in the Crow remake. Um, not sure how I feel about that. Again, Jason Momoa's acting varies from show to show, and I feel that the that the Crow, not that not that it's a character that he probably couldn't do, but I just felt that Brandon Lee did such a great job with it that it's 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 tough to to capture that same energy. It's almost like when you know people talk about Heath Ledger's work as the Joker. It's 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 in a category all its own. I think Brandon Lee's work in The Crow was was amazing. Even now, you watch that movie and it really stands the test of time. On top of that, it had a really dope soundtrack. Um, curious to see if the rumor continues to pick up steam. I wouldn't, you know, I, I'd be willing to give it a shot. Like I said, Momoa is not a a terrible actor by any stretch. I just feel that the roles that he's that I've seen him in just haven't really shown showcased his toolkit, um, you know, appropriately. But we'll see what happens. If we get any additional updates, of course, we will share it with you guys. The next bit of news I'm sure is going to ruffle some feathers. It is uh, Disney and Lucasfilm's uh, brand new announcement that they will be releasing a 3D collector's edition of Star Wars The Force Awakens on Blu-ray. The 4 disc set is scheduled to arrive in the U.S. and Canada on November 15th and will include, obviously, the original theatrical release along with all the bonus features, plus new bonus material, new deleted scenes, and commentary from J.J. Abrams. Now, the thing that that gets me is that this is a release that should have been done in the first place. I hate when they do shit like that. Um, I feel that, you know, 3D movies, are, are they, they're, they, there's a place for them if the 3D is done very well. Um, I'll give you guys an example. I went to see Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters remake, and the 3D for that movie was out of this world. They they really knew how to utilize the 3D effectively, and they did a great job with it. And I said to myself, when this film comes out on 3D, I'd definitely pick it up and watch it in 3D just because it was it was cool to see it. But for for Star Wars, it was it was fine. It was good in 3D because we ended up seeing it that way as well, not by choice. It just worked out that way, but. To not to make a big deal out of it and put out this version that's going to have additional footage, et cetera, et cetera, is is just again the the old the old double dip, and people people are gonna I know people already are kind of pissed off just because they're like, damn, you know, I thought they weren't going to put out a 3D version, I held out, and next thing you know, boom, they they announce a 3D version. Now I got to go and sell my the current version to buy the 3D one because I have a 3D TV, et cetera, et cetera. Again, if if you were looking forward to a 3D version and you didn't buy it already, November 15th, mark that down on your calendars. The next bit of news falls into the old what-the-fuck movie news category only because it's been a while since this particular rumor had picked up any steam and now it looks like it's rearing its head once again and actually has a director associated with it, and that is a remake of Scarface. As many of you know, Scarface is one of those films that if you are, you know, an 80s or 90s baby, you probably saw it often. If you are a, a, a hardcore hip-hop fan, the, the, you know, the imagery and everything associated with Scarface has definitely been in your orbit. And to many people, that film is untouchable. Like, that film was executed flawlessly, and it doesn't need to be remade. 
And I kind of fall into that category as well. But it looks like it is moving forward. And Antoine Fuqua is in line to direct. Uh, Deadline said that Fuqua was in early discussions to do a remake of the film. This would be the the third big screen version of Scarface, with the first being the 1932 Howard Hawks film. And, of course, the famous 1983 Al Pacino version. Um The new film is going to be set in Los Angeles, and it's going to follow the the rags-to-riches immigrant story. Again, not sure how I feel about that, man. Scarface is is one of those movies that it's like, like if somebody woke up and said, we're going to remake The Godfather, I'd I'd lose my fucking mind. Because The Godfather is one of those those films that you look at, and you're just like, don't touch it. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. And... I kind of feel that way about Scarface. I, you know, I, I, I pretty much own Scarface in almost every medium, or I've owned it. Let me rephrase that in every medium. Uh, the last one, the last cool Scarface thing I had, I remember Jimbo Slice and I both bought these uh, Scarface box sets that came with like a money clip and a whole bunch of shit. It was, it was dope, man. It was, it was really cool. And you know, Scarface was released on Blu-ray. Picked it up on Blu-ray. Had a really good transfer. I feel that it could have been better, but it was about as good as it's going to get for a movie from 1983. But then again, Transformers was recently remastered for a release on Blu-ray, and it looks amazing. But, you know, it is what it is. In any case, not sure that that a remake of Scarface is going gonna, is gonna to take off. I mean, they tried to do that Carlitos Way prequel, which, again, just you can't you can't do that stuff. You. Carlito's Way, Scarface, there's certain movies that you look at that they just, they stand on their own. Um, other films, Casino, Goodfellas, especially in, in that genre. Uh, and even movies like Juice, uh, New Jersey Drive, um, Above the Rim is another one I want to say, White Men Can't Jump. Like, those are movies that they're, they're unique and they're special because they came out at a very special time they had the right actors in the right place at the right time, and it just worked. Now it's like, oh, we're just going to remake it because, you know, we can. And that's not always the case. And again, you guys know I speak, you know, I usually shit on remakes quite a bit. Occasionally one slips in that looks pretty dope, but Scarface, don't touch it. And I like Antoine Fuqua. I think Antoine Fuqua is an awesome director, but again, don't do it. Leave it alone. That's all I'm saying. Another film which has been in the will-they-won't-they category is Bad Boys with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. As many of you know, rumors have been circulating for quite some time that we were going to get a third installment of the film. I mean, after Bad Boys 2, which was insane, I said to myself, how much more trouble can, you know, Marcus and Mike Lowry get into? into? But um, it looks like we are going to get a third installment. Uh, and it's actually titled Bad Boys for Life. And the release date, because there is one, is January 12th, 2018. Um, Joe Carnahan, who did the A-Team and the Gray, is going to be directing. And, of course, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence will be back to reprise their roles. Uh, I'm curious if we're going to see Gabrielle Union also there, since she did play the sister of Marcus in the second film. And, uh, obviously, you know, she had a relationship with Mike Lowry. Uh, played by Will Smith. Uh, curious to see if that if that continues to be the case or if they kind of just, you know, separate and move on from that. We'll see what happens. I like the Bad Boys movies. I thought that the first one is just over the top and the second one 
so many great moments. I mean, one of my favorites for that movie is when they were uh, going to arrest the uh, the Haitian gangbangers, and they're and you know the guy's like, "Who's in my house?" And Will Smith is like, "The devil," and he's like, "The devil is not welcome here." Like it was just so ridiculous, so over the top, and of course. You know, when they finally killed all the guys, uh, Martin Lawrence is going crazy. Look at him, Mike. Look at him. He's dead. He ain't going to tell us shit. Like, there was such, there was so many funny moments in that movie and so many quotable ones. I mean, um, you know, the, the guy who played the drug lord, he, you know, these, these, these black bitches came into my house right here in mama's garden. It was, it was crazy. And there was, he had a lot of memorable lines, um, you know they they did a they did a good job with that movie. I mean it was a little long, uh, in in you know as far as action movies go, but way too much quotable shit. I'm hoping that they can recapture that same magic for the third installment when it comes out again. Mark your calendars down, January twelfth, twenty eighteen. So for the last couple of months, we've talked about the young Han Solo prequel that they're doing the for, you know the big screen uh, Han Solo solo film. Uh, focusing on the exploits of a young Han Solo and young Chewbacca. And it was interesting because, obviously, if you're going to have young Han Solo and young Chewie, then you're going to need a young Lando Calrissian as well. Well, it looks like that is going to be the case. And um, it's funny because Donald Glover has said that he, he'd like to play young Lando. And WWE's Xavier Woods has also said he would like to play uh, young Lando in the uh, Han Solo movie. Again, uh, you know, this this Star Wars expanded universe with Rogue One on the horizon, which looks promising. I just feel that it might be too much too soon. I, like Han Solo's story, it's awesome. And I mean, it'd be cool to see how he met Chewie and how he went from being, you know, rebel scum to, uh, you know, one of the most decorated heroes of of, of the war with the Empire. But again... Do we really need it? You know, it's it's an interesting question. I, I'd like to see it, and I like what they're trying to do with it, but I just don't think it's absolutely 100% necessary. That's all I'm saying. In any case, uh, once we get some additional news with regards to the Han Solo film and casting for Lando, we will, of course, share that with you guys. Let's get into some box office totals. Suicide Squad holds it down in the number one slot, bringing in $43.8 million. Sausage Party came in at number two, earning $33.6 million, which considering the low budget it cost to make the film, it's definitely uh, on the road to being successful, and there's even rumblings of a potential sequel. Pete's Dragon was in the number three slot. Jason Bourne was number four. Bad Moms at number five. The Secret Life of Pets continues to churn out uh, box office numbers with an additional 7.5, bringing its total to $71.5 million. Star Trek Beyond was number seven. Florence Foster Jenkins was number eight. Nine Lives was number nine. And Lights Out came in at number 10. On the small screen side of things, we got two bits of news I wanted to share with you guys. First is that USA has announced that we will be getting a third season of Mr. Robot. Uh, season two is currently in progress and it follows the exploits of Elliot Alderson and Mr. Robot, which I don't want to spoil for anyone that hasn't seen the series, but I got to tell you some of the most amazing television I've seen in quite some time 
has come courtesy of Mr. Robot. That first season alone is on another level. Second season started off a little touch and go, but it definitely has picked up, especially with the episode from this week. Uh, if you haven't seen Mr. Robot, definitely check it out. And it looks like USA is in it for the long haul, giving the critically acclaimed series a third season. And some other small screen news, it looks like Jack Ryan and you know from the Tom Clancy series is heading to the small screen, in this case, Amazon uh, Prime and Prime Video. Uh, as many of you know, Jack Ryan has appeared on screen in many different films, uh, played by Alec Baldwin, played by uh, Harrison Ford, of course, uh, Ben Affleck. Last, last film was Chris Pine, which did Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Now it looks like we're going to get a series on Amazon Prime Video with John Krasinski in the role of the iconic... Um, you know, the the iconic Jack Ryan. For me, I don't, you know, Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, they're they're creating these series and they're taking a lot of great risks. And I think it's it's good for fans and it's good also from an experimental standpoint. I remember uh, when uh, Jimbo Slice and I were recording the variant issue, we talked about that, you know, how Marvel t- has took some risks with their product on Netflix and they touched on certain things that you couldn't touch on on regular TV and it would kind of be a little, a little um, out of left field if it was touched on, on film. I think that, you know, mediums like Amazon, Netflix, Hulu provide opportunities for uh, studios and, and companies to, to have a little fun, to extend the life of certain characters. I mean, I, th- I feel Jack Ryan, you know, it's, it's a character Tom Clancy created that has, appeared in some great movies. I mean, Harrison Ford probably was the guy that knocked it out of the park uh, with his work as Jack Ryan. They tried to recapture that that same glory with Ben Affleck and later on with Chris Pine. They figured, ah, maybe we'll go a little younger with Chris Pine uh, with mixed results. I think that a character like that definitely may work on a smaller screen because you can do episodic television about his character and be able to tell just a, a, a more a more clean story spread across multiple episodes versus trying to go super deep, super layered, and try and cram it all in there in two hours. I mean, for many people, you know, if you're a hardcore Tom Clancy fan, you know Jack Ryan, you know those stories. But for those people that watch, uh, that just watch the films, they may know the character, but they're you know they're they're not they're obviously not established in the same universe. You know, it's just different actors at different times uh, portraying the same characters. The same thing that they've done with James Bond, but obviously James Bond has a much, uh, a much deeper and more, and more historical franchise versus uh, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan series. I'm definitely going to check it out. I mean, I have Amazon Prime, and I like some of the shows they got. The Man in the High Castle is, is dope. Really enjoyed that. And I've been meaning to check out Transparent, which um, is interesting. It's, de- it's definitely interesting. Um, but I do, you know, the, the Jack Ryan stuff, it looks like, uh, I believe it's going to get, there's no, I wanted to know how many episodes it was going to be, but, um, there's not, there's not a listing of episodes. It just says that there's a script and a series order by Amazon. But in any case, once we get a debut number of episodes, etc., I will of course hit you guys with that on a future episode of MTR. All right. Last bit of news to close things out. Also from the Marvel camp, 
um, and small screen news also is Marvel's Runaways series is heading to Hulu. Uh, Marvel continues to spread its its uh, tentacles across various platforms with Netflix, Broadcast TV, and now Hulu getting Marvel programming. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the Runaways follows a group of teenagers who were raised by supervillains. Uh, when they learn about their parents' villainous ways, they band together to try and stop them. It was a solid series, which if you haven't checked it out, you should. And I think that, again, this is one of those those series that you could really have some fun with on a medium like a Netflix or Hulu or Amazon. With regards to when it's going to debut, don't have that info yet. But as soon as I get it, I will share that with you guys as well. All right. That is going to wrap up the entertainment segment of this episode of My Take Radio. And with that, we're also going to wrap up the show as well. So I've given you guys my take on gaming and entertainment this week. I always would like to hear yours. Feel free to reach out via social media. You can find My Take Radio on Twitter at My Take Radio. You can also find RageWorks on Twitter as well, which is the parent brand for MTR at Rage underscore Works. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Google Plus, Pinterest, uh, Instagram as well. Just look for RageWorks there. And of course, if you want archived episodes of this show and any of our past shows, you can find them on RageWorks.net. Audio archives in podcast form, of course, are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio very, very soon. Uh, we're going to be heading to uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and, of course, Google Play. Once we get those up and running, look for announcements on RageWorks.net. Uh, the archive versions on video of this show will be available on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official rage works last but not least as always you can check out mtr live every wednesday and thursday at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific that is the plan until after labor day as i said at the top of the show after the labor day holiday when we come back we will be switching to an 11 30 p.m eastern standard time air date um air time i should say on wednesdays and thursdays if you're on the west coast 8 30 p.m Pacific time for both shows, the MMA and wrestling, as well as the gaming and entertainment editions. <clears throat> Last but not least, next week's episodes will be our final two episodes for August. Uh, we will be taking off that la that last week and be back after the Labor Day holiday. So if I don't see you guys for next week's shows, we will be, we will be back uh, first week of September. So with that said, I want to thank slick for his uh, assistance during the gaming segment this week. And of course, I want to thank you guys for tuning in and sticking with us for, I don't know, roughly two hours to hear my ramblings on gaming and entertainment. All right, guys. See you next week. Thanks for watching. Peace. I'm rich, bitch. <laughs>